what theme draw me drew me to this project was this theme of like you never know what people are going through or what they have gone through and oftentimes when people are going through difficulty whether it be cancer or end of a marriage or drug addiction or whatever uh, sometimes having really hard conversations about the emotional things is tough and it's a it's a it's something that i ran into over and over and over while watching my sister go through cancer and talking to doctors and nurses and survivors and family members and friends and whatever is that is that the hard conversations around the emotional aspects of of the cancer journey was a place where people felt really not equipped to to go to so cancer especially and other forms of trauma can be very isolating right People can feel like, oh, my God, I got to go do this alone because they don't know what to say to you. And you obviously don't know what to say to them. I mean, what do you say to somebody who's going through something maybe like terminal cancer or something? You know, they lost a kid or they're losing a spouse or whatever. Like, like, how do you even connect with them? Like, I just don't want to say anything because I don't know what the heck to say. I don't want to certainly don't want to say the wrong thing. To overcome, you must educate. Educate not only yourself, but educate anyone seeking to learn. We are all dead America. We can all learn something. To learn, we must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes, we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out and challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something right now. Today we're speaking with David Richmond. He's an author, he's a speaker, and he's an endurance athlete. David, could you please introduce yourself? Let people know just a little bit more about you, please. Sure. Well, uh, you said it. I'm I'm a writer, author, speaker, endurance athlete. I um, uh, kind of changed my uh, p- path in life in my late 30s and decided that I wanted to become um somebody who lived on purpose rather than on accident um, and um, just went through a huge transformation and, you know, in, in, in my late thirties uh, that allowed me to kind of learn who I, who I could become rather than already know everything about who I was. Cause I didn't really, <laughs> didn't really love it that much when I, when I finally took a look in the mirror, Ed, you know? And so, yeah. Um, I like to say I was, I was, I was a I was a successful uh, businessman, uh, entrepreneur. Started a few companies, you know, was running some big businesses in the corporate world, and I learned a lot of lessons. I just never had learned how to apply them to myself. So, in my late thirties, I I I through a number of of uh, difficult times and finally eye opening events, I finally decided, hey, take a look at yourself and see what the heck's going on. And so that that was the start of it. Yeah, well, you know, coming from a place of being on drugs and being out of order and then finding purpose, meaning and 
having it all put together that takes some time you know i i i'm still working on it and i'm getting close to 60 but uh we're we're discovering through our journey in life that we all have a gift and it took me a long time to figure that out the journey took many many terrible things in life mm-hmm. but each one of those terrible things i find a gemstone in my life because i can reflect back and i can remember i was there and it gives me empathy towards other people sure. i find this is what you do a lot this is what you do well mm-hmm. how how did you come out of that life and find your purpose yeah it's tough because when when you're just living your life you just don't know right you just you just you just all of a sudden wake up and go okay this is who i am and where i'm at and i I don't know i i I don't know if anybody can relate to this but my um my my purpose or my journey in life was pretty much just keep your head down and just keep moving forward and um figure figure out life as you go and get through obstacles and get through the things you need to do and just you just plow through and um when i when i finally said oh man that's not the way the way to do it like i gotta pick my head up and see how i'm interacting with the world the the first thing i did was take a look in the mirror and go wow dude like you're you're just not you're, you're just not interacting with the world the way that you should you know i i I didn't know it until that time but at that time i i just once i once i kind of raised my head up and said okay stop plowing forward and and take a look around for a second i realized that i was pretty much like raised or i or i had developed into a person who was looking to always do things to please others and is because that's what they expected. You know, I, I would be a certain way at school because my teacher needed it. I would be a certain way because I was trying to make my parents happy. I would be a certain way because that's what the boss said to do. And and I looked to others to kind of set my motivation, my expectation. You know, I, I, I really lived for what I thought they thought of me or what they might expect of me. And then when I kind of put my head up, I realized oh crap nobody cares nobody nobody's watching me like they, they you know <laughs> right they're, they're just yeah they're just benefiting off of my effort or not benefiting off of my effort or whatever the case may be but they're just living their lives and 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 here i was stuck in this like thing of like man i'm the center of the world and everybody expects me to be a certain thing and when i looked around i realized crap nobody's looking and so who cares who who cares who's the one that should care and i realized if it, it, it should be me but I had no idea. Right. And so yeah. I think that's what caused it. And it, it was a number of things, right? I, I was, I was in a, a, a relationship with a violent alcoholic. I had four-year-old twins. I needed to get out of that relationship, get me and my kids to safety. I was overweight. I was a smoker. I just found out my sister was diagnosed with, with terminal brain cancer. And I was like, just in the middle of all this crap. And when I finally looked in the mirror and I said, like, who are you and what matters and who do you want to be? And, you know, what do you stand for? I didn't have any answers, like none, none. I mean, I knew some stuff about myself, but I didn't have answers to any of those questions. So I I guess that was the start of it. 
Yeah, that's shocking moment when you hit that realization moment that you're responsible and you have the choice. Mm -hmm. And if, mm -hmm. if we put effort towards it, you know, the one thing, if you start the race and you finish the race, you did the same thing as the person in first place. It just took you a little longer. So, <laughs> right. so, so that knowing that, Hey, I did that. And mm -hmm. if I do it again, I might be able to come in first place if I choose to do that, but I did complete the mission. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. You get that. That that's, that's what the book winning in the middle of the pack was all about, but I, it was things I had to learn. Right. And that is that, like you just said, you get the same thing that the person came in first got, but you know what? Everybody's kind of watching to see who won. And, and, and sometimes they watch to see who's the last person across the line, which is, which is always, yes. always kind of fun, but nobody, nobody sees anybody in between. So let me tell you a quick story. The very first event that I did, of any size length after I stopped smoking was a half Ironman I did in Northern California. And I show up at this half Ironman, I'm still out of shape. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not too far away from having been not active in my life, my adult life and, 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 and a smoker. And I walk up to the start line where they're doing this wave start. They, they're sending people off in different age groups and mine is a few waves down. So I'm, I go to the front to go watch people. And I said, man, I, I got to see what's going on here. I've never been to one of these events and I'm looking down at everybody at, and they're freaking a bunch of Greek gods and goddesses. Nobody's got an ounce of fat on them. They're, they're, they're beautiful. <laughs> they're cut, they're cut out yeah. of marble. And I'm like, Oh man, I do not belong in this group. Like this is ridiculous. Like what the hell am I doing here? And I said, man, I got, I got to go home. Cause, Cause this is not me. And, and as soon as I d said that, and I was almost committed to leaving, the gun goes off and people take off in the Russian river to start to swim. And I realized, man, one guy flips over on his back and he starts like doing some wacky backwards dog paddle. And another guy is swimming around in circles and somebody else is swimming to the edge of the river. Cause they don't know how to swim. They're going to walk the, the swim. And I started laughing. I'm like, dude, like they don't care. Why do you care? Like, like, like just yeah. run your own race. Right. Like if you make it to the end, yeah. you get your medal. Nobody cares. Nobody's watching. But if you quit, like you're going to always know. So, so, so just, just run your own race, which, which, which is a different mindset because if you're used to being uh, thinking that others care about you in that way, or that they're watching you and judging you, which they're not, they've got, they got their own problems to deal with. Uh, uh, I might've, I might not have tried it because, because I would be too self-conscious and that was a stupid thing to, to have been at that point. Right. Everybody there is just running their own race. Some people are going to win. Some people are going to not finish, whatever, who cares? Everybody's trying to yeah. do the best they can. And that's what that winning in the middle of the pack means for me is that, is that when, when you're in the middle and nobody's really watching, you get to do it for the right reasons. And that is because it's what you need to do, want to do, should do whatever. That's right. When it's your choice, it can make the difference. And, and usually it becomes a passion if it's your choice. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you definitely must be passionate. You've got over 50 triathlons. Uh, you know, 
your record is incredible. There's (laughs) been, yeah, there's been moments when you've hit the wall and you've come to those cramps, those hurts, those, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Mm -hmm. But I've started, I'm going to inch my way to the finish. How do you deal with that emotional struggle and that physical struggle and Mm -hmm. overcome, adapt your body, your mind and do it? It's a great question, but you know, and everybody struggles with certain things in their life, right? You, 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 you have to inch forward through a project at work or through the difficulties of a relationship or taking care of someone. I mean, there's a million things that you could relate to inching forward to get to the finish line, whatever that, whatever that means. Um, I, I think what will help you do that is to determine if it's important to you or not. And if it's important because somebody else tells you to do it, that can only go so far. And, and at some point you got to say, no, I need to do this for me. And I need, I need to, I I need to figure it out for myself. And so sometimes when I'm doing a race, not, not very often, but I think two or three times in the hundreds of races I've done, I couldn't make it. I had to quit. And it's not because I didn't want to, it's not because I didn't have the right desires, just because sometimes you got to know when to quit. But other times you got to know when not to quit. And I think that, uh, you know, what motivates me to do it is to say it's important to me. So I'm I'm much better. I, I've learned that I'm much better if I'm motivated to do something. I'm much more uh, uh, I'm much more likely to get it done than if somebody else tries to motivate me to do it. Now, sometimes they can motivate me. And it's a, it's a good thing if I respect somebody at, at work and I admire them, and they're a mentor, and they're asking me to help them, I'll run through a brick wall, right? If I have a friend who needs me, and it's somebody that I love, and has been there for me, I'll I'll run through a brick wall. So it, it doesn't have to be uh, self-serving. It doesn't have to be the only thing that I do. But certainly, you got to you gotta buy into it and say, it's, it's that important to me. And if it's not important to you to finish the race, then don't give it any more attention. Just walk away. Don't finish the race. But but if it is important to you, you got to figure it out. So so what are some of the defining factors that go into that decision making for you? Well, I didn't know what it was in endurance athletics, but um, when I when I found out that like I started doing all these races and and events and pushing myself in ways I'd never pushed myself, which we sometimes have to do because of life. We sometimes have to do because of work. We sometimes choose to do it because of life or work or whatever. Like, but when you you get to the point where, for, you know, in my experience, um, there were so many challenges that I could see the parallels between endurance athletics and life. I could see the parallels between business and endurance athletics. And so it wasn't just that if I, overcame something in my personal life it was that it was like that helped me in my business life and if i overcame something in my in my uh, endurance athletics that helped me in my personal life and my in my business life but i didn't know that right away an example of that is i was doing this uh this 87 mile rollerblade race 
And it was in, imagine that. And I'm going to do that, Ed, that is not, I'm not coordinated. Okay. One of the first things I did, it was this 87 mile rollerblade race that went from Athens, Georgia to Atlanta, Georgia. It was totally brutal. It was outdoors. It was hot, obviously outdoors, but, but it was hot. Uh, up and down these rolling hills of Georgia. It was, it was really brutal. And for somebody that's not athletic, it was just an impossible endeavor to do. And when I got to about like mile 30, 31, something like that, I was heading up this huge hill and I, I couldn't even move. Like I, I couldn't, as much as I tried to get yeah. myself to go up this hill, I was done. Like I, I, I had, I was done. I hit the wall. And I just stopped and I bent over and I, I turned my, turned my uh, uh, rollerblades perpendicular to the hill so I wouldn't slide back down. And I was bending down on my knee and I'm breathing hard and I'm sweating like a pig and I'm just, I can't even move. And I'm like, what the hell are you even doing this for? You might as well just go home. Like, this is just stupid. And I started thinking, you know what? Like, anytime you have a problem, if you, if you stop, that's okay. Like you went as far as you could at work. You went as far as you could with a friend. You went as far as you could with a problem. That's okay. You know, your limit, right? That's fine. But, but, but then, you know, you can't go any further. Like you already found your limit. And I said, shoot, man, if you, if you just try to go like one more step, you're going to learn something like, 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 cause everything up to right now, you know, you know, you're at your limit, you know, everything about yourself. And if you can just take like one more step, you're going to learn something new about yourself. And, and it's that way in, in work and in life, right? How much more can you take? How much more can you give? How much more can you effort can you put towards something at work, you know, towards a friend or something at work? If you just go, ah, ah one more step, what can I learn? So I took, I, I said, all right, just try it. And I went one more step and I'm like, do another, do another, do another. And it became a learning exercise for me. And in that case, in that in that experience for me, it was five and a half hours later I finally made it to the finish line. Okay, so it it, it was a nine hour day going eighty seven miles on rollerblades. I was probably pretty close to the last person across the line, but I, I did fifty odd miles of learning and and finding out what I could accomplish and how hard I could push myself and where my motivations lied and where when I was ready to quit or not. And so that's where it all kind of stemmed from is this desire to learn. And um, it didn't, it's, it's not exactly a, a light switch where you go, oh, I'm going to take every difficult opportunity as a, as a chance to learn. It's not, life doesn't work that way, but it, over time, it really helped me to know that, man, if you just look at things as a learning experience. If you could just find out what you're made of and look forward to the next step and forward to the next step, then you don't have to already know everything and then move on in life. And I didn't want to know everything because you know it hadn't gotten me to where I needed to be. So let's let's figure out where do I need to go. If if that if, yeah. if that all makes sense. Yes, it sure does to me. You know, once once you live it and you feel it, you move through it. Yeah, you mm -hmm. understand it a little more better and better each day so that's what it takes is time effort and knowing you're going to get there some days mm -hmm. so uh your mission mm -hmm. i love this you know it's inspiring deeper human connection through life-changing stories yep that's what it's about 
that's mm-hmm. what changes the world stories you took this what 5000 mile close to 5000 yeah, mile journey across yeah. across uh what from california to florida to new york yeah that's like some people look and say wow that's insane i could never do that yeah you managed to do that how long did it take mm-hmm. you've got some fascinating discovery stories and personal stories that you share in the book mm-hmm. but can you highlight some of those individuals that you met along the way that are not in the book that sure. touched you and changed you in some way oh mm. uh, yeah i mean i'm prone to give long answers but i can give you an answer to that but i, I gotta <laughs> i gotta frame it first right so i i do this uh bike ride it's a solo bike ride. It took me about uh, four. It took me forty-five days. So I was biking forty-one out of forty-five days, uh, forty-seven hundred miles solo. So, you know, we're talking about one hundred twenty miles a day. And because of all the hills and wind and carrying my stuff and everything else, I was on the bike average of just over eleven hours every day. And so it, it physically, it was a, it was a brutal feat, but what I wanted to do, like you do, you, you, you bring stories and, and I totally agree with you that humans are, are really connected in my mind by stories, but also one other thing, and that's emotion. And, and, and we all have the same basic emotions. We might have different emotional responses to things, but we have the same basic emotions. And if we're connected by story and we're connected by emotion, why not connect the stories in my book by getting on my bike ride and visiting the people I had I'd interviewed for a couple of years. That was the goal. And 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 most of them, almost all of them I had never met before. I just talked to them on the phone for a couple of years, really diving deep into their stories about trauma and cancer and you know, trying to figure out how we can better connect to each other and to them and whatever. So uh what theme draw me drew me to this project was this theme of like you never know what people are going through or what they have gone through and oftentimes when people are going through difficulty whether it be cancer or end of a marriage or drug addiction or whatever uh, sometimes having really hard conversations about the emotional things is tough and it's a it's a it's something that i ran into over and over and over while watching my sister go through cancer and talking to doctors and nurses and survivors and family members and friends and whatever is that is that the hard conversations around the emotional aspects of of the cancer journey was a place where people felt really not equipped to to go to so cancer especially and other forms of trauma can be very isolating right People can feel like, oh, my God, I got to go this alone because they don't know what to say to you. And you obviously don't know what to say to them. I mean, what do you say to somebody who's going through something maybe like terminal cancer or something? You know, they lost a kid or they're losing a spouse or whatever. Like, like, how do you even connect with them? Like, I just don't want to say anything because I don't know what the heck to say. I don't want to certainly don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah. And, and so that's kind of inspired me to do this book. And when I when I went on the bike ride answer your question i just wanted to frame it but when i went on the bike ride i didn't know that i was going to run into so many people along the way where that 
thesis was reinforced almost every single day. Ed, I ran into someone who said, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm so close to my grandma and grandpa just died of liver cancer. I don't even know what to say to her. What do I say to my grandma or somebody at work? They told me something really bad that their that their kid is going through. And man, I'm like avoiding them in the hallway because I don't want to say the wrong thing. Like, what do I do? And I'm just like, wow, this happens to everyone. Every single person has that same thing. And one of the first people I ran into, and I, I don't tell this story very often because some people think it's it's kind of dorky, but one of the very first people that I ran into where I had a serious conversation with was a guy who was, he, I'm in a some kind of sinkhole, swimming hole thing, like at the end of my day. And I'm, I, it was it was like the highlight of the town was this sinkhole thing. And I said, oh, I'm going to go check it out. And I went and dived in it and I came out and there was one other guy there and he walked up and he said, what are you doing? And I said, I, I told him, he said, with that bike, you're, you're riding your bike cross country. I go, yeah, I go, I'm going to end up in, in, in New York eventually. And he said, holy cow. He says, I'm on a cross country trip too. And I said, really, what, what for? He says, well, he goes, I'm a magician pastor. I go, ah, I've never heard of such a thing. He goes, yeah, I've been a pastor my whole life, but I, I, I combine it with magic and it helps me connect with young kids and whatever. Yeah. And I said, oh, what kind of journey are you on? And he pulled this, this coin out of his pocket. And he said, I'm on my way. And this was, I was in Arizona or New Mexico. I, I was in Arizona. I think. I'm on my way from Oklahoma to San Diego where my brother's gravestone is. And we were very estranged. I never knew how to talk to him about really difficult things. And we went through some difficult things and we never got past that. And I never talked to him for 30 years. And I figure it's about time that I go have a conversation with him. And one of the things I'm going to go do is put this coin on his tombstone as, as a way to apologize and try to connect with him. And I thought, damn, man, that is hard. That's hardcore, right? That this guy's closing the chapter on a very painful you know part part of his life which is being estranged from his brother because he wasn't able to have hard conversations with him or his brother wasn't with him or whatever and he was going to go close close the book on those feelings or deal with those feelings i mean obviously it was too late it was a one-way conversation his brother's dead but but it was a way for him to to kind of reconcile that issue and i said man Everybody has that issue of not being able to talk about the hard things. Doesn't matter if it's your brother, your spouse, a friend, a stranger, whatever. And so, again, sorry for the rambling, but that that uh, that happened to me almost every day, where there was some poignant, evocative story that somebody told me. If you just give him a minute to ask, hey, what the heck's going on? Man, everybody can identify with that thing of, I don't know what the hell to say, man. Ed told me he was going through something and geez, man, I like I don't even know what to say to the guy. Right. Or or we 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 end a relationship on bad terms and then we find out that somebody's going through something tough and we can't get past our ego to say, shoot, man, what you're going through is way more important than what made us estranged. I need to talk to you. It's hard. Those things are hard. And so what I what yes. I wanted to do with the book was not to give people the answers or pres- prescribe or preach to what they should do, 
but just give them a better insight into um, the human experience so they could maybe feel a little more confidence to go out in the world with the people that they're close to or want to be close to and, and have those hard conversations. Yeah. So having those hard conversations, you know, even my podcast intro, it, it says some of the best conversations that we have is with ourselves. You know, that's asking you those hard questions mm -hmm. that are meaningful and nobody can answer those questions, but yourself. Mm -hmm. it, sometimes it takes a lifetime. And uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad that there are stories of hope and meaning and finding release in however fashion we find that release of mm -hmm. old traumas. Because if we pack those traumas with us, even, even the minute ones, they, they can really be burdensome and weigh on us and make us old pretty quick. Finding that release, however it happens, I, I think it's pretty important. So, yeah, I mean, that's brilliant what, what you just said. And it's very true. What, what, what prevents us from, from doing it is one, we don't know how to talk about those things because they've been stored up inside of us forever. And we've been talking to ourselves with that inside kind of child voice of protecting ourselves or, or distancing ourselves or not being vulnerable or thinking that we got to be tough or whatever the heck that, that, that thing is that guards those traumas from, from, being dealt with and then you're right it starts with having really hard conversations with ourselves and connecting to ourselves in a different way and uh it it is it can be uh a step towards what you ex explain needs to happen when you know that people might understand you a little bit more or care or that that they're not going to abandon you when you appear weak or you're they're they're going to sometimes give you help when you need it. It, it there's a number of things that right we just we self isolate and we just keep that stuff buried inside for so many different reasons that you're right if you can just reframe it and just change the conversation and connect to yourself in a different way and just allow yourself to deal with those traumas man that's where some huge I it took me a long, it took me almost 40 years to, to start to do that. And, yeah. and I had, I had a lot of trauma. I had a lot of bad things happen. Some, some of them by circumstance, some of them as a, as a result of my bad decisions, but either way, there are a bunch of traumas. And, and it took me like 38 years before I even recognized that I'm allowed to have a new conversation with myself, you know? Yes. So, so I'm totally with you, man. I, I think that's, that's the number one thing to do. It's hard to forgive ourselves. It's it is very tough because mm -hmm. we we feel that shame, that guilt associated with shame, yep. and releasing that is is key. It, it really is identifying mm -hmm. that struggle, releasing it, and owning it. Mm -hmm. You know, don't don't make excuses for what you've done uh because we've all done some pretty stupid things at times in life <laughs> and we we have to recover and sometimes we don't allow ourselves to recover and yeah. it, it kind of is is a struggle all in its own uh so coming off of those old habits for you uh what what was 
that like and finding that that hope that you might find Mm -hmm. a new path a new beginning because obviously when you're on drugs it, it took me a long time i was fearful of coming off of drugs because when i did reach out for help the first time i was told bring me four thousand dollars and i can help you that scared the hell out of me and i ran you know and i I just said well my drugs are a lot cheaper than that so (laughs) i the logic there was keep doing what you're doing so how how did you find meaning and hope to help others through that difficult time of recovery mm-hmm. because I, I i still to this day i'm a recovering alcoholic i'm a recovering drug addict i'm a recovering smoke addict you know mm-hmm. uh, i just was mr unhealthy and i yeah. pushed my body to the limit what what was that single moment when you said enough uh, there's not a person alive that will not agree that you just know what you know when you know it. You don't know before then, right? Because you have might maybe had a conversation with yourself about addiction or about who you were or who you weren't or whatever a thousand times. And then one day it just hit you, right? One day you just knew. Yeah. You just knew yep. what you knew. And uh, I had in a short period of time that realization that I I needed to get out of this violent marriage. Uh, I needed to protect my kids. Uh, I needed to try to reconcile the fact that I was not the one that's going to die. My sister is right from, from, from brain cancer. And I'm stressed out to the max. And somebody said something to me that just made sense at that moment in time. And I was complaining to him for the hundredth time about the bad things that were happening in my life, right? Oh, you know, this at work, this thing here, and my, my wife's so mean, and, you know, how, how come I can drink and not be violent? And she drinks and she's violent, and blah, blah, and I'm going on and on and on, right? And, and I'm just complaining about everything, and, and maybe for the hundredth time. And he, and he stops me, and he goes, dude, he says, you know what? I, I'm sorry, but I got to stop you because you're the problem. Yeah, and I'm like, huh? I go, what? He goes, yeah, you're the problem. He goes, everything in your life is a rabid dog. And you go seek them out. You go seek out all these rabid dogs. And then you you go to pet it because that's what you want to do. You want to make it not rabid. And it bites you. And then you wonder, why the hell did it bite you? He goes, you know what? Why don't you take a look in the mirror and see what your problems are? Because Because you got to change that behavior you're the problem it's not them they're rabid dogs they don't know any better they don't know any better they're gonna bite you they're problems they're bad people they're difficult situations they are what they are it's your decision to deal or not deal with those people it's your decision to put yourself in those situations or not you're not making the right decisions you're the problem and i'm like holy like wow you're right and it's just all of those things happened 
so that I, I looked in the mirror and I, I'm not saying figuratively, like I remember the night I was in my bathroom, kids were safe. You know, I, I'm in a new place, you know, divorce is underway and I know it's going to be okay. And, and I'm, and I'm, I'm looking in the mirror going, okay, like, who do you want to be? Like, like, like you don't want to be that you don't want, do you really want to keep getting bitten by rabid dogs? I mean, do you really like, what's your problem? Do you want to be a smoker? Do you want to be fat? Do you want to be unhealthy? Do you want to be stressed out? Do you want to always complain about all the BS that's happening around you? Like, like what, what are good things about you? What are bad things about you? Like figure it out. I just stood in the mirror and I might've spent like 45 minutes staring at myself, talking out loud and just saying, man, this is where you're at. And, and so that was the moment. That was the moment where I, where I, where I changed. And only in retrospect, Ed, do I know that that was like step one. Step step two is what you said earlier, and I and I didn't. It didn't go past me. I heard it where you said you need to forgive yourself. And yes. and for, um, sometimes it's forgive yourself. Sometimes it's just let it go. Some sometimes it's just free your mind or whatever. Sometimes it's just move past it. I don't know what the word is. Sometimes it's forgiveness. Sometimes it's just moving on, whatever. But that's kind of step two is that like forgive yourself or free your mind, whatever. So one, take an honest assessment Two, forgive yourself or, or let it go. And then three is lean into what the next step, like, like learn, learn about yourself. Well, what, how, how can you get to a different place? What, what can you learn? What, you know, what journeys can you embark on? What can you accomplish? And so all that, I mean, in retrospect, I know that's what happened, but that's what was happening in, in the moment. And it was that moment that, that started to change. So when I talk to people and, I, and I'm trying to help them or talk them through issues like this, I'm like, well, here's, here, here's what happened to me, right? So yeah. just take a look in the mirror, like free your mind and just move on, dude. Like, like move on, change, change yeah. it, right? Truth will set you free. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that is the answer. And, you know, being truthful with ourselves, it's difficult. That's for sure. It's hard. So hard. looking back where you are now and mm-hmm. back when you first started, was there ever an imposter syndrome attitude blocking you from excelling getting to the next step in the ladder mm-hmm. could you talk to us about how you overcame that yeah so um thanks for asking a, a great question because it makes me think about in the context of what we what we've talked about like that head down kind of thing like i i i was afraid of being an imposter my whole life i remember the very first company that i launched where i went to go ask for money from some investment bankers a lawyer that was representing the investment bankers took me out to lunch and he sat me down he wanted to find out more about what i was doing and he said yeah the one thing you forgot in your in your uh, a slide deck is where you where you got your mba and i went oh i didn't get an mba and he goes oh shit looking at your at your what you accomplished and what you're asking for and what you're doing here, I would have said, okay, well, you didn't even put in where you, where you graduated from college. And I go, yeah, I didn't go to college. And he's like, Oh, you know? And so, so I, I knew like, I always felt like an imposter, dude, I was running a hundred million dollar in revenue business for a major wall street firm without a college education. 
Okay. Ma- yeah. Imagine that. I was the yeah. only guy in the room without the college. Edge, I guarantee you. So I was an imposter, right? My whole life, I was an imposter, but, but not really because, but I just felt that way. Like, it doesn't matter. It, you know, I know nobody did the job better than me. Like I knew if you put me in a room with a hundred people, Ed, I don't care what the situation is. I, I'm like, I'm not coming out first, but I'm not coming out more than like fifth or 10th or something, you know? And so yeah. I don't feel imposter that way. But um, w- when I, w- when I started to do athletic events and go, you don't belong here. Like, Ugh, you're, you're an imposter. It was the same thing that I, that I, that I did as a, a, a you know, in business, as an entrepreneur, as a friend, what a, you just, Sometimes you just got to go, let it go and just go, no, man, just be who you want to be. Like, like, I just, I remember like telling this person that I was going to do an Ironman. I was so nervous that they were going to laugh me out of the conversation. Like, dude, you're a fat smoker. What do you mean you're going to be doing an Ironman? (laughs) Right. And, and I said, Hey, I was thinking about doing an Ironman. And she looked at me and she goes, yeah, that's a good idea. All right, go do it. And I'm like, Oh, you mean, you think I could do it? I'm not an imposter, <laughs> you know? And so uh, I don't, I don't blame anyone for believing that they don't belong in the job or they're not the best podcast. I'm not a good interviewer. I'm in a room with people that are so much more successful. Uh, bull. I say bull, right? You just be yep. the best you can be and you're not an imposter. Right. But, but we, we right. limit ourselves so much because we think like we don't belong in the room. I'm telling you, you belong in the room. Every, everyone does. Yeah. In every situation, if you can be the best you can be and you walk away going, I, I, I'm the best I am right now. I'm giving it a hundred percent effort. It's what I want to do. I belong here. That just that mindset means you do, you do. And, and who cares if you win, lose or fail, doesn't matter. You belong there. That's a That's hard right. lesson to learn. Yes, it is. You know, and we have to remember it's our passion. Don't mm-hmm. let other people drive our passion. Only you know what you truly want. So get it. That that's that's just so so poignant. You, you mm-hmm. have to mm-hmm. do it. So talking to cancer patients, mm-hmm. you know, I've I've talked to a couple on the podcast and the attitudes. Uh, Fitz Kohler, a fascinating woman. She just blew my mind when she was out there doing her job with cancer. And she's a survivor and she's out there making it happen and letting people know the struggles. And then Terry Tucker, he's an individual, he's diagnosed terminal Uh, Mm -hmm. he doesn't know when he's going to pass on but Mm -hmm. still today he's on facebook he's on podcast he's making a difference in somebody else's life Mm -hmm. because he found meaning in his own Mm -hmm. these are true inspirations of cancer why is it so difficult for us as ordinary people to just find that inspiration 
that we find in a lot of these cancer patients. Yeah, it's, it's a great insight. And and I, I spoke to doctors and loved ones and survivors, you know, the secondary people, sec, secondary to them, not just the people that were going through cancer. And I think you nailed it earlier. And it's it's that why we find inspiration in them is because we we can see qualities in ourselves and they're being okay with 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 what's in them and we have not forgiven ourselves or we think we're an imposter or we don't believe we're look at Ed, when I spoke to every single one of the people that are in the book and even a bunch that didn't make the book and remember I talked to these people for like a year and a half two years okay when I talked to them almost the very first conversation, but certainly every single one of them at some point in the conversation said, ah, you know, my life's not that interesting. Nobody wants to hear. And all of a sudden you start talking and you're like, holy crap. That's like, that's the most interesting story I've ever heard. Like, what do you mean? No, nobody, no, nobody's going to care because your story's <laughs> not interesting. And I think when we are able to, which you do really well, bring stories to people, we're able to kind of identify and, and it evokes emotion in us because we recognize like, oh, holy crap, when somebody like that is grabbing life, you know, and, and, and living it and, and really, you know, purposefully doing what they need to do for yeah. the time that like, I, who doesn't want to be doing that? We could, maybe that could be us. Maybe we could be that strong. Right. Maybe we could be, and, and then we go, okay, well, I know I am not going through what that person's going through, but some piece of us understands that that person never went through what we went through. And so we go, ah, like when I watch, you know, Tiger Woods, I don't go, oh, I'm going to be the best golfer ever in the history of the world. You know what I think? Like, holy cow, man. Like, like that person is being the best that they can be. Wouldn't that be cool? I could be the best that I could be. Ugh. And that's how we identify because it's like, man, I want to be, I want a piece of that. I want that passion. I want that success. I want that drive. I want this, whatever. And we identify with, if we don't identify with, we're not going to be moved by it. We're not, we're not going to be inspired by it, but if we can just, and, and when you put somebody on a stage, like you do on your podcast, it gives us just a little bit more insight into the, thought of you know what is everybody goes through crap everybody everybody does and some people can overcome maybe i can overcome you know and i think it that's what that's where the inspiration comes from that's right finding hope inspiration through others it's mm -hmm. people helping people uh, mm -hmm. i just love that all the way and make it about that and mm -hmm. once you do that in any aspect of your life you're gonna succeed and we we can define success in many ways but success is finding that pleasure zone being happy and making it happen in the right manner for yourself mm -hmm. and then that will yeah. just emit outside you know uh so I, yeah let me let me just add, add one thing to that before before you go on sorry to interrupt you but have yep. you ever been to an iron man event Okay, it's really kind of a, a bummer because uh, when you're like a me, like a middle of the pack guy, 
and you're getting ready to start the run, you know, first you do a 2.4 mile swim, then you do a 112 mile bike, then you do a full marathon. When you're a guy like me, when you start to do the marathon, you're starting to hear the announcers calling people at the finish line. And I still got a whole marathon to go. And I'm like, geez, man, this is tough. But what's really amazing talking about inspiration is I've done by 18, 19 Ironmans. Okay. And the winner of the Ironman, person that came in first like first and certainly probably more of the top five or ten you know what they'll do they will finish the race they'll go home they'll talk to their sponsors they take their shower they get whatever get a meal in them and then they all make it back to the finish line because they want to see the people that have the drive to do it no matter what. And they won't want to go, Oh man, I want to see the last people go through because they're inspired by the effort people. Now these are people that just went and won the race, right? This is like they're living and it's like no yeah. big deal. And what do they do? They go back and they just, they want to be moved and inspired. Like, What's it take for some, you know, 70 year old former smokers. What does it take for some 45 year old single mom? You know, what does it yeah. take for some cancer to just want to get to the finish line? And they're just totally inspired because they're like, man, I want some of that. Right. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. So sorry, I just had to tell that story because, because no, that's inspirational right it, there. It's inspirational. It's true. Right? Hey, I'll tell you what, they're not, they're not being inspired by the person that never started. That's right. right. That's right. Get off the couch, throw yep. down the Cheetos and, you know, pick up some, <laughs> some, yeah. some good healthy snacks and yep. do something. It really, yeah, and, a good bag of Cheetos goes, goes well every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Don't, don't make it a habit. <laughs> That's exactly. For sure. uh, David, do you have a call to action for our listeners today? Oh man. Well, selfishly called action is if, if the book sounds like it might inspire you, uh, uh go out and check it out. It, it's audible. Um, it's, it's available where books are. And, and also the good thing is each one of the book participants chose a, a charity and a hundred percent of the net proceeds go to the charities that were chosen by the book participants. So the call to action is a little bit self-serving serving because who doesn't want to inspire people with the books they write, and, and and by telling evocative stories, but it's it's a little not self-serving because the money goes to goes to charity. But I, I just say any call to action is um look, uh trauma, as you know, as everyone listening knows, can be a very, very isolating place. And 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 we often abandon people. Who doesn't have somebody in their life that's going through something and we haven't reached out to them because we don't know what the heck to say. And we're just like, oh, and then now two weeks have gone by or two months have gone by and now it becomes harder to reach out. And then we're just like, oh, like now I can't say anything because it's been so long. And, I, and we, the truth is like, just pick up the phone and call, send them a text, DM each other, like just for, forgive yourself for not doing it before. And, you know, just move on from the fact that you're probably going to say the wrong thing. But if you, if you reach out there and, and care, um, they need to hear from you, you know, and, and, and that's the truth. I don't know one person that can't identify one person in their network that they shouldn't reach out to and say, how's it going? Like, I know you're going through something yeah. difficult. I know you went through something hard. I haven't called you before, but I'm calling you now. Talk to me what's going on. So I don't know. 
it's it sounds a little goofy, but I think that'd be a good call to action. Make connection yeah. and, and make it matter. Yeah. You know, that's the best connection. Mm-hmm. So uh David, I want to say thank you. Uh before I let you go, how can people find you and find your great books? Well, thank you. Uh yeah, just uh, cycleoflives.org is my uh, website, cycleoflives.org. And I have information on there and books. I also do expressive writing workshops and uh, public speaking on a number of different topics in business related to trauma, cancer, that kind of stuff. Um, Hopefully I have some good articles. I just, I actually just put up a a free 70 page guidebook that I just wrote. That's uh, helping people with the basics of how to do their first 5k, 10k or sprint triathlon. So um, yeah, if you're interested in any of that, just it's, it, I always got good content on there. And um, uh, if if nothing else, you go to Amazon and look up David Richmond, you'll find my books. David, you're sure an inspiration and what you're doing is remarkable. Keep doing it. You know, it's changing lives. Keep hitting those podcasts. Stories matter. And most important thank you for being here on the dead america podcast yeah thank you and keep doing it i don't know what number you're at but i know you're above 100 right yeah i've got several i i don't even know <laughs> i couldn't tell you on this uh, one on this on dead america though you're over 100 dead so. america yeah i i hit 100 and i've got several uh at least 30 40 waiting to be pumped out nice yeah so well beautiful keep doing it i mean you know if you're only touching one person you're touching them and i love the way you ask questions so keep it up and i'm sure people are going to want to listen because they uh they like your style and your content so so thank you very much thank you david it's been a pleasure Thank you for joining us today. If you found this podcast enlightening, entertaining, educational in any way, please share, like, subscribe, and join us right back here next week for another great episode of Dead America Podcast. I'm Ed Waters, your host. Enjoy your afternoon, wherever you may be.